Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Beyond Sunday, a podcast where we talk about what it looks like to live out the Christian life in the day-to-day. Um, my name is Jonathan Sams. I'm back here with uh, Pastor Mike. Uh, we're excited to talk about this idea of activity uh, being driven by our identities. And so in the Christian life, uh, Mike, we have our identity given to us by Christ, um, and that you said that should drive our activity. Um, yeah. How's that parse out for, for us? Yeah, I think, you know, we live in a culture where um, everybody's working to obtain their identity. And in Christ, we have received our identity. And it's really freeing when we're able to understand that because we live in a society that says, define who you are. And people look to all kind of different places to define themselves. Like what? Right? Um, they look to gender, um, right? They look to job. They look to, um, you know, think about it. When, when you encounter somebody... It's what you, what do you do, Yeah, that's you know, true. or even when people talk about uh, sexual orientation or different things, it's like, I am X. Well, the reality is you're, that's not, that doesn't define you. Your job doesn't define you. Um, your, you know, your gender, that doesn't define you. Um, none of those things do. And I think the beauty of understanding the gospel is um, when our identity is rooted in Christ, it, it begins to change the way that we think. Um, it changes what drives us. So it, t- it takes us a step back from going, man, I've got to work to establish this identity. And you say, I just have to receive what's been given to me. Yeah. So for the Christian, since that's generally who we're talking to, um, what does that look like when we receive the identity that Christ has given us? Like, what's that look like in our day-to-day life? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things is recognizing who you were. And so really in the gospel, what we see is you go from sinner to son or daughter, and um, the way that you go from sinner to son or daughter is through the finished work of Jesus and, and having faith in Jesus' work in your place. So when God looks at you, um, he doesn't see sinner. He sees son or daughter. He sees you through the blood of Jesus, which means he sees you as perfect, not because of your activity, but because of Christ's activity in your, in your place. And I think where we go off the rails is we try to flip it, and we're yeah. like, let's take our activity and put it first so that God will be happy with us. And it's like, no, God will never be happy with your activity. That's why he came down, <laughs> right? And so doing everything necessary to save us. Yeah, I think um, to your earlier point, you know, the world says your activity defines your identity. You know, Christ says, my, uh, I give you an identity, and that should define our, our That's activity. Right. And, you know, whether we like it or not, it feels like Christians have imposed kind of worldly thinking onto this. And, um, you know, once we realize we're who we are, that we're a son or a daughter, then it kind of frees us up to live the Christian life. Right. And we are able to live it freely. And when I say freely, I kind of mean like without guilt, without shame. Um, you had said something, uh, when you were talking about this idea that, uh, we avoid, we know we're kind of flipping the two where we're not supposed to, when we start feeling guilty for not performing, uh, you want to expand on that a little bit of how, how that's parsed out in your life or how you see that um, causing Christians to fall uh, because they're, they're putting basically the buggy before the horse? Yeah. Well, we see kind of two concepts that I like to hold up, and that's guilt and conviction. And when you feel guilty and it drives you away from God, um, that's moralism because that's saying my works— um, are, man, they're not good enough for God. And so I feel guilty because of that, you know, and, and, and I feel shame because of that. Um, conviction drives us to the cross and says, yes, I recognize my sin. Yes, I recognize my rebellion and what I've done. Um, so it drives me to the cross to say, I also know that Jesus paid for that uh, in my place for me. He paid the debt that I owed. And so it takes you back to him. And, and the word um, that we use to describe this process is repentance. And I think a lot of people get hung up on repentance because they're like, 
well, I know that's the the start of the Christian life, but is that the essence of the Christian life? We hear about confession and uh, you know these different things, and and I think repentance is a great word because it means an about face, right? It means a, a change of mind, and it describes a biblical process that when you come to Christ and you recognize who you are in Christ, you rec- recognize your identity, and you see that you've operated outside of your identity in Christ, right? So you've done things counter to who Jesus is. Um, who he's created you to be now in this new new self. Um, when you see yourself doing that, it drives you back to Jesus and you say, okay, um, I recognize Jesus paid it all. And so you're doing an about face. You're doing a complete turn. You're doing a 180 and you're, you're at the foot of the cross. And that is the cycle of the Christian life. Yeah. So we never really, w- would you be comfortable saying repentance is a, a continual process in the Christian life? Like we don't, we don't really get away from it. Right. No, I think it's over and over again. And I, I think to Paul's point, when he talks about putting to death things, I think the way that we put to death sins in our life is through repentance. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I've wrestled with that question of confession, repentance, what does that mean for the Christian? But the way you parse it out there really makes sense to me. I do want to hop back to this idea of, of guilt versus conviction, um, because I think this would be an awesome space for you to give some practical advice of how a Christian can identify if they're feeling guilty or if they're feeling convicted. I know you talked about being driven, you know, away from God or towards God, but you know, say anyone who messes up feels bad, like, right. but how do we identify if that feeling of bad has the, is, is conviction or if it's guilt other than, you know, kind right. of where we respond in that. Yeah, I think we've got to start with uh, Romans 1, where we look at everybody has the knowledge of good and evil, right? So we all know we kind of have a, a moral compass we're born with, so that when we do something wrong, there is a natural part of us that that feels guilty, or that should feel guilty, or man, we've, we've crossed some sort of line that exists there. We, we have this framework. So what we know is that, you know, um, uh, repentance, what we talked about, it's, it's not feeling bad for your sin. Um, but if you find yourself in a place where you're wallowing in your sin, you're guilty, and it does things like pull you away from the church, pull you away from community, pull you away from accountability, you start to find yourself isolating, um, and, and it's because of shame or, or guilt or um, feeling unworthy. All of those things are saying, my works determine my standing. And so it's really important for us to identify when we feel our, our flesh, our, ourselves wanting to withdraw that oftentimes is a very good indicator that we're struggling with guilt and shame, and that's not the kind of guilt and shame that's godly. Uh, you know, the Scripture says that it's godly uh, grief that leads us to repentance, and so that's one of the things that we want to see is that the flip of that is, man, I feel, yeah, I feel bad for my sin. Yes, I, I did something that was really wrong or really obvious or I'm, I'm really feel shameful about, but at the same time, that's not who I am. And my works don't determine my standing. Christ's works in my place determine my standing. And so I turn back to Jesus and say, in the midst of this, and I've had to do this, right? Like, help me believe, um, God, that you don't, you haven't changed the way that you viewed me because of the sin that I've committed. Yeah, you. There, there's this constant, like, almost. So you're saying you you have to force your feelings to be in line with what you know to be true based on what God says in, in the scriptures, right? Yeah, because it's hard to believe that. Like, yeah, if, if you if, and I would say put it into practice. Next time that you sin and and you feel that conviction <clears throat> immediately, and a lot of times I'll do this even physically. I'll get on my knees and I'll turn to uh, God and I'll say, God, I know that I sinned against you, and um, uh, but at the same time I know that you paid for this, and I'll follow it up by saying, like, help me believe that you haven't changed the way that you view me right now. Because there's a sense in which we view God based off of our human lens. Yeah, you know, so right. we're like, man, uh, like if, if I were to punch you in the face, right? Like <laughs> it would be painful, whatever, but but it would change the way that you viewed me. And you're right. like, even if I'm like, man, I'm sorry, there would be like, bro, there's kind of some beef here. We've got to work through this. 
It's like we all the time are doing things that that rebel against God, and yet through Christ, his love is consistent. And this is what I think is so attractive about Christianity, because we're all on this hunt for, man, how do we find unconditional love, right? How do we how do we find you know unconditional acceptance? And we have that through through Christ. And so this is something that's actually the beautiful part about Christianity. I think where we don't ever get to enjoy this is we don't actually believe that's true. We actually think there's a season where we sin and God's unhappy with us. No, that's really good. And I mean, I've experienced that growing up of viewing God through a lens of, you know, basically what you have called moralism and kind of legalism. And we addressed that on a a kind of a previous podcast. But I do think that this is a a super interesting topic to talk about because it's something that you'd think would be so well defined in Christian circles. But there's actually a lot of differences in how we define repentance and whatnot. Um, I think that the practical advice you gave on determining whether it's uh, guilt or conviction of just being able to have the self-awareness of if it's driving you towards the things of God or away from, if you're trying to self-isolate. And that's why I think it's super important to have people in your life that if they don't hear from you for, you know, a couple days or you're not checking in with them, they reach out and they say, Hey man, like, are you okay? How are you doing? Other than that, like healthy local church, I'm sure people would roll their eyes, but we're, as we said in a previous, we, we're always going to talk about the local church. What are some other areas or guardrails you can put up in your own life to, to help you um, lean into conviction and avoid guilt? I, I think one of the things that we've got to be clear on, too, is something, and John Piper calls it this, that's really helpful, is the debtor's, debtor's ethic. Yeah. And it's basically that we have to pay God back for the forgiveness he's given us. A lot of times we project this onto ourselves when we sin. And it's in the form of almost a scale. And we wouldn't say that, but we, we function this way. Like, okay, well, I screwed up here, so now I've got to do this many good works. Or I've really got to have a good week this week, or God's going to really be upset. Um, you know, or, man, I, I know that God, you know, saved me from my sin, but, like, now I've got to earn the salvation that he's given me. And I, I just think we have to be really careful um, putting that burden on us. We This is where Jesus says, take my yoke. It's easy and it's light. And I think every time we're wallowing in the midst of guilt, we're, we're carrying a yoke that's not meant for us. Right, we're carrying the burdens of our sin that Jesus said, hey, look, I was nailed to the cross for these things. And I think this is where you see the beauty of the love of God, the compassion of God, the intentionality of God to say that everything that you've done, no matter how bad, no matter who it's with, no matter where it was, like Jesus paid for those things. And so for us to sit and waller in those is to say, Jesus, your blood was sufficient for some of my sin, but man, this sin or this thing in my life, it really didn't count for that. you know. And, and we're not saying that verbally, but that's, that's what we're living out. Yeah, I mean— you could have people that are saying the exact opposite, uh, opposite of, of whatever that is, but uh, by function in their life, they're they're doing the the flip. Um, I think the debtor's ethic thing. I mean, that's where you get this. I, other religions do that with car, like that's right. Hinduism with karma, um, Buddhism to a certain extent. Of even even you've men- you've mentioned stories when you went to New York to uh, speak with Muslims and tried to evangelize. Oh, yeah, that. every time they talked about like the scale. Hey, the scale. You know, I just hope that one day Allah looks at my good works. You know, so um, we got to be very careful that we don't do that. Yeah, because it's oppressive too, right? Like it's not, if you feel oppressed in the Christian life, then you're missing something with your belief system. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, and wanted to hear your opinion on is like part of this, it's because if we can get this right, identity defines uh, what we are, who we are in Christ, given to us by Christ. We did nothing to do that. And then understand this repentance piece without guilt that actually frees us up to do the things commanded of us by God with, with this sort sort of like freedom. There's other words that you probably put to it, but the best word I can think of is, is a freedom from performance and a freedom of, uh, there's a, of 
messing up basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I think so often I kind of grew up this way is that you you view God as he's you know got a grade book and he's he's checking on you every week and it's like okay, well, we did this, we didn't do that. And you feel like he's a taskmaster or he's going to give you a report card at the end of the week. That's oppressive, right? No, yeah. Who wants to be a part of a religion like that? You know, like yeah. this is the beauty of, of Christianity is that God says the scorecard's been 100% completed by Jesus, not you. And in your faith in Christ, this is the beauty of the the unity that we experience in Christ, right? The, the co-heirs, we're co-heirs with Christ because of our identity in Christ, right? And so this, we're freed from this performance mentality, uh, which means that Christianity should never be drudgery. And this is where it's so important that our identity has to drive our activity, because everything that we do in our activity, it starts with our identity, and it's an overflow from that. So because Christ has been to me, so I will be to others. Because, uh, you know, Christ has loved me, I will love others, right? So it's an overflow of our identity. And I think for so many people, they overcomplicate the Christian life. And it just feels oppressive. It feels like a rule book. I mean, I don't know how many conversations I've had where people are like, man, you Christians, y'all just, it's a rule book. And I don't want anything that's going to tell me how I have to live my life. And, you know, I, I don't, I want to be able to have freedom and do all this stuff. And I'm like, man, like there, there's no greater freedom than freedom in Christ. You know, don't, don't overthink this. Like, yeah, I mean, the scripture is very clear of uh, Christ freeing us from being slaves to sin. Like, yeah, for freedom, you've been set free is what Paul says to the church in Galatia. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is, uh, it's really hard when you start talking about this with people who are are non-believers because there is this sort of level of um, um, it's confusing to the outside world uh, when we start talking about this. Like uh, you don't perform for God because you feel like you have to. You perform for God because uh, you want to, because right. of the new heart and the new identity He's given that's you. Right. And you know that's for a foreign idea to to people looking outside in. Yeah, and I would say too, we have to be mindful of the the inverse of this, right? Like if there's a gap in activity then there's a miss when it comes to our identity. Yeah, that's really And big. that's really important. And I, I'm going to say that again because I think it's really big, that if there's a gap in our activity, uh, then there's there's a miss in our identity. And so um, this is where you see in our, our actions the overflow of our heart, right? So in our heart is our identity in Christ for those that are Christians. And so what we do is either two things. Number one, the gap in activity uh, leads to the reality that there's no identity in Christ, or it leads to the reality that there's a miss in our identity. So if we're if we're dabbling in things uh, like you know sexual promiscuity or and let's just use that one. That's a, that's that's an easy one, right? Like what we're ultimately longing for is we want intimacy, we want love, we want affection, um, we 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 want all these kind of things, right? So we look in that space and like, man, I hope I can find it here, and it doesn't give us that. Why are we looking in that space? Well, we've forgotten the unconditional love that we've gotten. We've forgotten the intimacy uh, of God through the Holy Spirit in us. We've forgotten that God's given us those things through Christ, so we're looking somewhere else. So what we do is we go back to the heart, and we say there's a heart issue here, and there's a miss in my identity. That's why I'm looking over in this space uh, to find things, to, to try to fill this void that Christ has already filled for us. And so that's where we need, again, Christian community to come around us and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, listen, why are you looking... Uh, to that to satisfy you because you know it's not going to sustain you it's like drinking Gatorade it's just going to leave you thirsty again you know like it should quench your thirst but it never does that's kind of how yeah Gatorade kind of yeah. lies about that that's it every time they don't tell you it's actually meant to make you more thirsty I, it's, it's the trick <laughs> of the trade I'm telling you what um, but no I think that's, that's a really good point that activity is a barometer for if we're seeing our right identity I mean I've, I've had people in I'm sure you have as well throughout my life that at some point they get into this place where they don't want to do any activity uh, for God and they, they don't feel that fervor and, um, and they get to this place and they've looked at me and said, well, 
I'm just not going to do anything. And if God, if I'm, you know, one of, one of God's, he'll, he'll come and get me. Mm-hmm. What would you respond to that? Cause I feel like that's the, that is the unhealthy position to take when it's like, we want to examine activity and examine identity. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's tough because at the end of the day, if we take our identity in Christ, right, we are co-heirs with Christ. So everything Christ has access to, we have access to through him, through the power of the spirit in us. Um, you are a son or daughter of the King. And um, as a son or daughter of the king, you're, you're called to embody, right, uh, the king. And so I think to, to kind of throw your hands in the air and say, like, I'm just not going to, um, is, is really, I think it's a big gap in recognize your identity because you don't know a couple of things. Number one, the great links that God went to in order to save you. Um, number two, you don't understand the implications of that salvation. Um, and, and number three, there, there's a gap in your theology because— uh, we see this with Paul, and he does this all through the book of Colossians, is that if your identity really is in Christ, then it gives way to new activity. And yeah, so I think it's just a tough place to be in of saying like, man, that's uh, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense logically from what we see in the Bible and the progression yeah. of what it means to, to be a Christian. And honestly, I, I think it's a it's a miss on that individual's part. They're missing out on the things of Christ, right? Like participating in the things of Christ. There was a unique joy that Paul got in participating in the things of Christ. This is why he, he rejoiced in suffering, why he rejoiced in pain and brokenness, because in that he's like, man, I'm identifying with Christ even more. So it's your loss, right? So if you're in that position, that's actually your loss and your miss on uh, the things of God. Yeah, that's a really tough conversation and a tough position. I think it goes to that kind of second point you made about identifying activity is it either identifies a miss in identity or identifies that you really aren't identifying with Christ in the first place. Right. And, you know, once again, I think a uniqueness of a lot of those scenarios I found is that it's people outside of Christian community and without that community to help point these things out and encourage you towards uh, the things of Christ, it's, it's really easy to, f- to kind of fall off. Um, that being said, I, I just want to hammer home this point of identity driving your activity, uh, for you, for me, for anyone listening. Um, that's kind of new language and it's not talked about a ton, at least when I was kind of growing up, it wasn't phrased that way. I think it's a super helpful phrase. What last things, practical pieces of advice for throughout the week of maintaining focus on our identity to then drive the activity, but mainly to maintain focus on your identity. Yeah. Um, I think it's that right there, what you just said is really important for us to be able to grab hold of and understand, be able to articulate. And I think for us, what we've got to say is how do we fan the flame of reminding us who we are in Christ? Because the world's going to come at us and try to give us labels. They're going to try to label themselves. They're going to try to categorize. And all that is a, is a desire to find some sort of identity in, in status or orientation or whatever the case may be. So as Christians, we've got to fan the flame of reminding ourselves our identities in Christ. So I think this happens a couple of ways. Number one, the corporate gathering is huge. This is a big part of what the corporate gathering is. The essence of what I do on the weekend when I preach is just fanning the flame of reminding you of your identity and then showing you how that translates into your activity. Um, it's why we sing, right? As you sing, you're singing the truths of God that remind you of your identity. Um, beyond that, it's it's communing throughout the week. Uh, it's community group. It's having discussions about gaps where you feel like, man, like I've been sinning in this area because I've been missing my identity, right? And so I want to confess that. I want people to speak that. Or even as we say sins, man, I'm really struggling in this area. What we want is our brother and sister to point back and say, man, you're missing who you are in Christ. And let me let me help you see that, right? Um, in addition to that, your, your time in the Word. Um, and we're going to, I mean, w- what we're talking through here at Image Church, we'll see this week that Paul talks about the Word standing central and being a part of our lives in a big way. And so the Word of God reminds you of who God is, what He's done for you through Christ, and ultimately fans the flame of your identity being in Him. 
Um, and then I would say uh, another piece of this is prayer. Asking God to remind you through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you of who you are in Christ. And I would even say to give you the confidence and the courage to walk in that identity. Because again, we live in a culture that's combating that identity, that's pressing on our identity. So we want the boldness and the courage to say, no, I have confidence to stand in the identity that Christ has purchased for me in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my family. I have the ability to be able to do that. And I think prayer is a, is a big part of fanning that flame. And in that, we're leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit to say, man, on my own, I can't walk in this new identity. But Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, uh, would you fan the flame in me? Would you give me the courage? Would you give me the boldness uh, to be able to walk in this this new identity that Christ has purchased for me? That's really good. I hope that for you listening to this podcast, that those are helpful, practical tips to take away as you try to live the Christian life and walk in your new identity this week. If you have any questions about that, please feel free to email those to us at pastormike@imageatl.com. We'd love to be able to discuss your questions on this podcast and hopefully provide a biblical answer to how we can help you walk the Christian life day to day. If this podcast has been helpful for you as you've listened and tried to apply what we've talked about, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, or just share it with a friend. Um, And so as you go this week, just remember that your identity defines your activity uh, and not to get the two flipped as you continue to walk with Christ in the day-to-day. And we'll talk to you all in the next podcast.